Welcome to Threads of Sustainability, where you get to hear the passionate, informative, and engaging conversations of creatives, makers, manufacturers, and producers from all over the globe. We explore what sustainability can look like in the quilting, fiber, and textile world, and I'm your host, Bridget O'Flaherty, also known as the Sustainable Quilter. Welcome back to another episode of Threads of Sustainability. This week, I am talking with Ming Su Lees, and she is in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. She started quilting about 10 years ago when her daughter asked her to make a saddle pad for her horse, and it started her into a a really deep passion for everything related to fabric and patchwork. She um, She grew up in a community and in a household that told her not to waste, and she ended up finding out that in Malaysia, it is one of the areas uh, that's a dumping ground for textile waste from the rest of the world. Over 2 million kilograms of textile waste end up in the landfill daily, which is crazy. So that prompted her to start to embrace quilting sustainably. And so she really looks to upcycling and circularity within her own waste products and her her work is really interesting she's got an instagram page called itsy bitsy bespoke and it just was such a sweet instagram handle and i started finding her work really interesting and compelling so i wanted to talk to her one of the other things that we really get into in our conversation is the idea around slow stitching and hand quilting as a way of connecting with not only our family, but slowing down and relieving stress and being a really important part of our own mental health so that we can continue on and do other things in the rest of our days and lives. I think that's a really important part of sustainability is taking care of ourselves and giving ourselves permission and space to do that kind of a thing. So we had this really interesting conversation about that. I hope you enjoy this week's chat about sustainability in textiles and quilting and what it can look like. Welcome to Threads of Sustainability. I have Ming Lee's here with me and you are in Kuala Lumpur, right? Correct. Thank you so much for having me on. It's pretty exciting. It's so exciting to be able to talk to people from all over the world because it's starting to create this community of people that are all kind of interested in the same thing. And it's feeling not so isolated and not so small, you know? Absolutely. And it's an honor for me to be it because I, I follow your work. I'm a huge admirer and and this is such a treat for me. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's great. So I found you because you do sort of upcycled bespoke quilts. And I I love your your Instagram handle is itsy bitsy bespoke. And I kind of really like that. <laughs> and so I thought, I really want to talk to this person. I want to know some more. So I reached out to you and I'm, and I'm really yeah. glad I did because I feel like I've now made a friend. It's really nice. Um, tell you. me a little bit about about your adventures in quilting because you're kind of actually fairly new in in the world of quilting, aren't you? Um, I, I fell into quilting accidentally. I have always loved playing with fabrics since I was a little girl. Um, you know, Barbie was my thing and <laughs> playing with all my grandmother's scarves and promising that I wasn't allowed to cut it up. So I was always into art and fashion and fabrics mainly. Yeah. But I stumbled into quilting 10 years ago because of a sushi saddle pad request. 
uh, a saddle pad is a numna in England. It's what you put underneath the horse, the saddle, because my oh, daughter used okay. to ride. Okay. And so 10 years ago, my daughter came home and she rides. She used to ride every day and she said, Mama, can you make me a sushi saddle pad? And what I was like, she, what, what does she mean by sushi? Like, what did she want? I know. She, she, she just wanted sushi fabrics, you okay. know, something really okay. uber cute. And I was like, I don't know what a saddle pad is. I don't know how to sewing machine. This is insane. Um, so I, I went to the only and nearby quilt shop and they make very traditional block quilts and batik quilts. And I said to them, I need to make a saddle pad. And they just looked at me like I was insane, which <laughs> I can understand. And um, and actually, this this is I'm I'm going to try and describe. This is what I ended up making. So oh. it is a saddle pad. It's not sushi, um, but, but it's it got horses on. Project. It's got horse fabric on it's, it. Exactly, and it's basically worse than a quilt because it's it's so thick. Right. It's got it's got three layers of batting inside. Oh my god. And you've got the binding and curving. And and so that was my introduction to quilting, sewing. And I got since. So then my daughter said, if you're going to sew lots of things for me, like bags, quilts, you know, what cushions as her demands get, you know, they, their requests get longer. They said, you should have a name. And the itsy bitsy came for the bit from the, the horse's bit. Oh, so okay, that was, okay. So that's why I did see bitsy and then bespoke so that it was uniquely probably not accurate so <laughs> so you can <laughs> so you can make anything you like if it's bespoke right right yeah oh no, that's awesome and so have you made more of those those pads or was that sort of a project yeah, that led no. you down other paths and other avenues I I make as requested so a friend of mine their daughter was also a horse rider and I made another one for her and okay. I also had embroidery for her but no not not too many saddle pad requests since, okay. um, but, <laughs> but I'm also glad I have broken so many needles. With, sure. Yeah, with... I, can, I can imagine. So tell me a little bit about um, the attraction to upcycling and the reuse of materials. Tell me about how that became something that you really kind of wanted to okay. do. All right. So I think the I don't know if it's an Asian culture, but in my family, anyway, there's always a, a motto, which is waste not. My sure. mom is always about don't waste. I don't know if it's an Asian thing. And they find ways, I think Chinese moms or Asian moms always find ways to reuse material. And okay. so that has always been ingrained in me. But I think for the longest time, I'm, I'm quite proud to say that I I had kids older, but I was I was quite determined that even when I had kids, I was going to use cloth diapers. So I I never used okay. regular diapers because so, I just knew the landfill issue was a big thing for me even 20 years ago. Sure, and, sure. And, and so I just knew. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. So yeah. have you always been in Kuala Lumpur as an adult no. with your kids? Like when did you? No, no, no. Okay. We, I was born in Hong Kong. My husband was also born in Hong Kong, but we were raised between Hong Kong and UK. Okay. Um, my husband's English, but he also grew up in Hong Kong. And uh, we left Hong Kong, well, we've been here now 13 years as an expat. Okay. And we chose to leave Hong Kong because there was a lot of, there was a lot of considerations for health. The pollution was bad in Hong Kong and, and lifestyle, really. So okay. we wanted a more quiet, more, more relaxed atmosphere to raise kids. And so we moved from Hong Kong. But I think even going back to sustainability, uh, I think even 
back then when I first had kids, my son's 20 now, um, it was it was really apparent to me that the landfill pollution, it was all linked, you know, so sure. so lifestyle change, like trying to use less chemical in the house, try to be sustainable, try to u- reuse things, try not to waste, that kind of led me. And then moving here, um, I came here on a what, what we call a Malaysia, my second home visa, which means that I'm retired. I'm not okay. allowed to work. So I, I started to learn to volunteer. And I've been working with this great NGO called The Lost Food, which okay. is a, a, a land bank uh, food rescuer. And so I've been learning so much more about food sustainability and food waste and and you know, how do we rescue food. And, and there's so many people in need of of resources of food in places like Malaysia and Southeast Asia. And so that really made me feel more conscious of when I'm doing something as a hobby, that I have to practice what I what I believe in. It's amazing so how, that's kind those, of, how those other little things that we do in our lives and we have a, that awareness all of a sudden, how that then sort of bleeds into other parts of our lives. Like we were, I've been talking with somebody right. recently even about um, not only food sustainability from the perspective you're talking about where there's food deserts in cities, but the um, the idea that we need to eat properly in order to sustain our bodies well and have healthy bodies. And once we start yeah. kind of figuring out that relationship with food for ourselves, we we also start realizing where we might be wasting in other parts of our lives, right? And Absolutely. what we might be, might be doing inappropriate habits in other parts of our lives. And that the sustainability really kind of uh, permeates into other parts of our lives in interesting ways, I think. Once we start having awareness and consciousness of it, yeah. And there's a design element to it because I I grew up, um, um, you know, I did art O-levels, A-levels, and even as my degree was art-related to architecture. Um, it It was cool in my days. Instead of going to high, high street stores, we would go thrifting. Yeah, because we found so much cooler stuff, and also because we couldn't afford actually most of the stuff. And, sure, you know. sure. But but high street stuff was just even when I was a teenager was it was very generic. So it was it was always cool for us artsy type with my friends who we thought we were really cool to go yeah. into a thrift shop and see what we can find or remake it into something cooler, yeah. or just think we're really really cool. And and in London, you know, Camden Market and, and the charity shops, they had so much stuff that is so interesting. That so you've been doing this kind of cooler. yeah, this kind of thrifting and and upcycling stuff for a long time, really. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah, but it's it's a fun experience, and um, and now my kids are into it too, so it, it's, I've got a good excuse to go and hang out with them. Yeah, yeah. And so tell me about what um, quilting is like in, in Kuala Lumpur. You said there was there's one quilt store. I don't know many quilt stores here, and I don't know many quilters here. Um, okay. I've accidentally found out uh, two people that I know are, are quilters, but it they, I don't think there is a guild. Um, okay. so it's I, not a big part of the culture there. Probably not, but I might be wrong. I mean, okay. There, there, maybe there's you know, the Bernina shop. They do sort of workshops, but it's not, it's not the same. I mean, I, I'm not into making certain styles of. I don't know what style I like to make, but I found that there was so much more resources since I discovered Instagram and YouTube, sure. and I've learned so much more on lectures, skills, and art, and 
and also COVID was a lockdown. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that for you um, in terms of the quilting, because that was a really big thing for you to get through COVID, right? Like that kind yeah. of, your sewing really helped you through that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it did. Tell me a little bit about that. We had a really, really serious lockdown here. Um, the, you know, we were only allowed out. The top of my street was sealed up. There were, they were barricaded and, you know, only one person was allowed out. You know, my children couldn't come back from Canada and the States because they're not Malaysians. So it was a very isolating time. But at yeah. that time, we, we were also doing some bits with the lost food. And one of my friends said to me, can you sew some masks? Because um, she was dealing with different refugee schools and they they really have very little resources. So I think I sewed, like everybody else, <laughs> hundreds and thousands of masks um yeah. and 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 I got a lot of friends donated like bed sheets and and old clothes whatever it was we could use to make masks to to get by and so I think you, that's that's happened worldwide yeah I think so too and I think that became a big part of the upcycling um community yeah. was was making masks out of of upcycled materials and yeah. and so people are bringing you materials now instead of you having to go thrift shopping and finding things well, I, I I never say no to fabric anyway. So. <laughs> um, I think we sew to in order to get more fabric. But I do find that there are other resources like uh, Feel Good Fiber. Is okay. it the one? Um, that's a, like an eBay of of yeah. And I I sent that to my mom. I can collect some. Um, that's also a good resource. Um, I do get donations, and I do. I, I think it was interesting when people said, oh, you can make a quilt out of a bedsheet. And I kind of thought, well, yeah, geez, Benz did it. You know, a lot of people did it. It's not a, you have to buy the flat quarter. I mean, that'd be lovely. Yeah. But there's so many original ways to do it. And that so was done previously. So you did masks during COVID, but you also moved into making you went away, went away from making pads for your horse, your daughter's horse uh, saddle. And you started making actual quilts. Right. And you started doing sort of yeah. memory memory quilts. Yes, I have made uh, quite a few. Um, basically, some, you know, I would get a request to say, look, this this is a box of my children's clothes. Can you make it and turn it into something that is special? And it's interesting to use different material because um, when I got that commission, the clients gave me from leotards to uh, socks to, you know, blankets. You know, so there, there was different type of, material that you have to deal with to, and then you try to figure out how to make that into composition yeah. as well as the different texture of the, of the material so that's that that was quite a challenge and quite interesting but I have been making it steadily since um I have one here that is for my friend and it's a storm design and, oh look at that so this and has that's got the storm at sea entirely- and it's pretty much a charm quilt, right? Like you've done different, um, yeah, different fabrics for yes. pretty much every block and every piece, really, almost. It's yeah, not a full based... true charm quilt, but pretty close. Yeah, it's it's quite big. It's full size, um, enough, and it has basically it's it's basically from my friend's bed sheet. So right. she came over with her bed sheet and she said, okay, I'd like you to make me something. And I said, sure. And she chose, she looked at a painting in our house and she liked the color scheme of beige and, and yellows and, and creams. 
And and I just and she just gave me, she goes, here, you can this is a bag of bed sheets I don't want and some, you know, old shirts. So I decided to incorporate most of her old stuff with my stash into making this for her. Because nice. I want her to see it as a new take. As like, a new oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you see can you spot your old bedsheet there, right there? You know, stuff like that. She hasn't got it yet. She's in Sweden. So okay. I'm gonna hand hand finish it and then give it to her. And so but, you you hand quilt it? I'm into hand quilting more now yeah. because I just I just find that I have better control. Okay. Um, <laughs> especially with anything. And I find that machine quilting is another challenge that I I find that it's it's more relaxing to be able to bring your work anywhere when you travel. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I've been making steadily every project that I make, be it a quilt, be it a dog bed, which I've been making quite a few, um, because most of my friends don't have babies anymore. They're all right. adopting dogs. Right. So so their babies are dogs. So I'm making dog beds because yeah. that's that's their baby. This one I'm quite pleased. It's basically two pair of pants, one napkin, and some curtain fabrics. Amazing. So it, it's trying to incorporate like how can you use what you have and to make it aesthetically pleasant. Yeah. And that works into a design. I want to take a minute here to thank you for listening to the Threads of Sustainability podcast. I've really loved all of the interviews that I've done already and looking forward to doing so much more. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to support the podcast, you can do that on my website at BridgetOflaherty.com and you can buy me a cup of tea. I don't drink coffee, so I'd love a cuppa and you can pay what you want. You can also follow, like, share the podcast episodes with a friend. I love getting your support and I love getting your feedback. Don't forget to send me an email and tell me what you think. Let's jump back into talking with Ming. She talks to me about her family history, surprising family history, about her mother with a Guinness World Book of Records quilt that she made and some interesting connections and links between mothers and slow stitching and hand stitching and all of the great things that that can bring and the community that comes along with it. I have always loved everything Japanese, Japanese textile, Japanese culture, um, you know, the way they quilt mm-hmm. um, and the approach to quilting and, and their approach to art in general is embracing the imperfection, which yeah. to me is a really, it, it's, it's really nice to be able to let go of that because most times I'm very afraid of making mistakes. Sure. And I was lucky enough to hang out with my friend. We were in a Japanese restaurant and they were closing down and they said they had all these obis, which is part of the kimono, and they said, oh, you can buy them off of me because they're, you know, for something like a few dollars. And I just said, I said, why are you selling them? She goes, I'm, my restaurant's closing. I'm going to throw them out. Wow. So that's how I, I managed to get a wonderful stash of that. Nice. And then I realized that there's a thrift shop here that is just specializes with everything Japanese thrifting. Wow. And they have a huge selection of just kimonos there for wow. $10 a kimono right and and it, when I asked them who buys them they said that that people buy them to dress up or mm-hmm. you know and I use it as fabric because I, I I love the designs and I love oh, the it's beautiful fabric Japan. yeah absolutely it's a the real texture treat. the feel of it is lovely are they all silks or are they is there polyesters like those are synthetics as well and there are but I I try to just go for cottons um okay, I have okay. used I have used uh 
there was a lady who asked for a prayer mat and she wanted it, obviously a white prayer mat. Okay. And I didn't know how to make a white prayer mat in a quilt form. So I basically I do either. <laughs> no, it was a challenge. I, I discovered that basically if I used one of the silk orbes, which was in cream, nice. and I used different different silks of different Japanese, there's different tonal ones, nice. then you end up with something that is shades of white. Nice, and, and, yeah. and it's another HST. But that was that was the only way I could do a white on white quilt without sort of trying to meet her needs and what she wanted for that commission. Um, it's on my Instagram. It, I, I had fun with that. But I just nice. did struggle at first thinking, how do you make a white prayer mat that's just white? <laughs> but still interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about some of that stuff around your fast fashion and your concerns around, I guess we can talk about that. Like the hmm. you see a lot of waste in a different way where you are yeah. than we might yes. here in North America. Well, my mom lives in California, and I know that right now the way they have to manage waste and recycling is is super detailed. But what I didn't realize was that in 2018, most of the waste that was from the States were used to be shipped to China, and China used to buy it. Right. In 2018, they stopped that. Okay. And so the flow of waste came to Southeast Asia, in particular like country like Malaysia. Right. And it's been documented that most of that wasn't handled in a way that was how it was originally intended. So okay. you would see waste, you know, just just piled up into to to affect neighborhoods, environment, and and people don't talk about it really very often. Um, like I didn't know that my neighborhood store, he was telling me that when he discovered the lost food project, he was telling me he has to pay someone to throw away food that's going to expire soon. And that goes to the landfill. So right. these are things I didn't know. And I said, well, why would you throw away good food that hasn't expired and go to landfill? Just because I can't, I can't, I can't sell it once it's past its expiry date. Right. So I have to get rid of it and I have to pay someone to take it to the landfill. So I also looked into, there's a, um, there is an NGO here for recycling uh, fabric materials. It's mm -hmm. called Cloth Care. Okay. And I looked at the, I've been doing a cleanup and I've been looking at the materials of what I can donate that that is going to be recycled. And I, yeah. I really am keen to participate in that. But it said fabric remnants has to be one meter. And I a just remnant. thought. That's not a remnant. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a that's fabric stash right there. <laughs> exactly. That's to me. So I was like, I need to be able to, I need to be able to think about this carefully, how I can manage my own stash and own my own scraps so that it's, I can, I could do a better job. So if they don't take it, they can take um, used clothing, cut clothing, um, undergarments, um, but they did say fabric and fabric remnant has to be one meter. So I have decided that because I have two teenage girls, I see how fast fashion works, you know, that their need yeah. and, and their friends needs to constantly shop and then discard. And then you get a lot of waste. And so I can understand when there's recycling of old T-shirts from, you know, from from a fast 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 fashion chain but if they don't take scraps um then i had to find a way to actually 
do what I need to do. So recently I've been deciding that when I had a project like the one I showed you about this, this one, the, the dog, dog bed, bed yeah. I end up with a lot of scraps like this. Yeah. The little bits and, and that, strings. And, and, yeah. Correct. And I can't recycle that. Yeah. So I, I decided to string it back into something like this, which is our little string quilts. Yeah. I'm I'm making it back into fabric and I'm yep. gonna make it one meter so that I can put it in the upcycling. Oh, there you so go. That, so that they will accept this. Right. It's a lot more work, but I decided that these are the little steps that I should take. And the message is that there is a lot of waste. Um and I when I see people do demonstrations on on quilting um and whatever tools they use, they there is a lot of wasted scraps of fabrics and that does go to landfill and mm-hmm. it does end up in this part of the world a lot, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think, yeah, there we have an issue here in North America with textile recycling. There is very few places that you can take textiles to. There's there's textiles upcycling, like there are thrift stores that you can take things mm. to, but it's more on the the cut fabric recycling idea and some people say well you can do dog beds and some people will stuff the dog beds with their scraps but that but there's the hygienic issue is a problem because as soon as a an animal uh urinates or defecates on it then it is no longer usable and it's not easily washed because everything kind of bunches it doesn't it doesn't work well and it's not easy to sterilize and get clean again so a lot of dog places are no longer accepting those donated dog beds they want things made from new materials that are easy to wash so that's becoming problematic to find a place for all these scraps to go i i have half a mind to um start a swatch swapping centered website where people can sign up and then they have their bag of bits and they can swap it with somebody else's bag of bits and be able to kind of get this stuff around the world where people can reuse it and want to make string quilts or making um, yarn bags or what like um, fabric yarn instead and making those into other things. There's lots of people doing all kinds of different things, but not everybody wants to do all of those things. So how do you get those materials to the people that want it? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure but it out. I, think, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> no, but at least it's 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 moving in the right direction. I think that the fact that we're talking about it yeah. means that 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 it could just grow, hopefully. You know, I hope people so. and I and I think that people who quilt love fabric. They love colors, they love textures. So if you can find creative ways of making it back into fabric uh, internal, instead of being like straps, you know, scraps like this, yeah. um, it gives it a new a new meaning to how you can use your art and, and, and your yeah. skills. Well, and it has circularity then too, right? It's Correct. not it's not an end of life for the product. It becomes something Correct. that's that is reused and re and continues to have a life beyond what we think is garbage and waste because there is no garbage there is no it doesn't go away anywhere it, no. it goes it goes to somewhere but it still has the impact it's going to have and it's going to continue to stay to be there um absolutely um yeah. you know baby steps baby steps yeah we're working on baby it step. we're working on it um so what other projects have you got in the uh, in your future what else are you thinking about doing i'm hoping that i can um I, i'm trying to give myself um, skills to learn different types of uh, patterns. So I'm I'm doing a Jen Kingwell uh, King Jen Kingwell um, halo design right now, nice. which is 
it's a patchy, scrappy project that is basically hand quilted. I'm just I'm just learning the skills of like how do I how do I quilt while I'm traveling and I don't have to bring a machine and I just use simple tools. How do I keep it simple and still yeah. be a creative person? You know? Yeah. And I find that's quite interesting that you yeah. can make little things by hands just the old fashioned way. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for that slow down and the slow stitching. Um, yeah. There's a big, big movement behind slow stitching and mindful work that we need to do. I remember you were telling me that you were doing a project to honor your mother. I am. About, yeah. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit more again? <laughs> that's sure. so interesting. Who's interviewing who here? <laughs> um yeah, I like it. I well, I'm I'm pretty excited about it too. I'm slowly getting it off the ground. Um, my mom died in 2017, and she had Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. she and I were quilters together, and we spent 20 years of our my adulthood um, learning how to quilt and quilting right. together and teaching quilting to different people. And so she left behind with behind when she after she died, she left me with about 80 different quilt patterns that she used as templates for teaching wow. beginner quilting. Mm-hmm. And it's all handwork and um, it's all just temp- template work. And so and I'm not a hand quilter. I am a thread painter and I am mm-hmm. a machine quilter. I have a long arm. Um, but I want to slow down and I want to Mm. have a little bit of time. I give myself dedicated time to sit with the memory of my mom and do some stitching and do some work. So I am redrafting these quilt patterns that she left me into smaller ones because they're all 12 inch blocks. And I want to work in order to make one quilt. I can't can't do all 12 inch blocks. So I'm going to shrink them down to six inch blocks. So this is the Martha Washington square, Martha Washington star. And it's done in my hand dye cottons that I have on organic cotton. And those are natural botanical dyes. So I've got the indigo here and this is logwood is the the purple. And um, so I'm redrafting all those patterns. And then, um, Every other Wednesday night, I have a sewing circle on Zoom where we come mm-hmm. together and everybody brings their own hand projects and we sit and talk for an hour. And it makes me sit down and, and sew for an hour. I wish I, was in your t- I wish I was in your time zone. I could join in. Yeah, it would be nice. But it's, it's 7.30 in the evening. So that's, um, I guess it's around this time. So it would be early morning. in the morning. Yeah. It would be an early yeah. morning for you. So you could maybe join so us. Did- yeah, I actually could. Yeah, actually, I do. I do find that when you, we were talking earlier about finishing the quilt, and you were saying, "Oh, I'm a, am I hand quilting it?" There is there is that element of slowing down, apart from my skill sets and like machine sewing. But I find that there is the meditational slow down, yeah, relax. Let's let's just take it, you know, a step at a time, a stitch at a time, um, which really helps kind of mind mind you like reduces the stress that I have actually right now when you face certain stress you kind of think I need this well and I feel like for yeah I I agree completely I I and for me sitting with my mom's stuff and my sister joins as Mm -hmm. well um she's Mm -hmm. never been a quilter she does do some a little bit of quilting and she's learning to do more and she's going to make a few blocks to go into this quilt as well that's fantastic and it's just kind of a project we get to work on together and kind of just it's bringing up memories about our mom and her yeah. creativity and yeah. it's making the illness of Alzheimer's a little less 
painful for us because we kind of mm. lost our mom long before she died, right? Right. The little bits and pieces of her disappeared and mm-hmm. her memory of being a quilter was gone long before she died. And, yeah. and it this was honoring really, her. So it's kind of honoring her and kind of giving us an opportunity to remember those parts of her that were really lovely and yeah. that we really admired as well. Yeah. And so it's been really nice to kind of work on it. It's been a very slow to get going project. My hope is that I will get these patterns put together and then they'll be available as like a quilt along so people can yeah. do them themselves as well and join into the, the stitching circle if they're wanting to. Um, so I have a slow stitching night on Wednesdays and it's right now it's every other Wednesday getting closer to winter. It'll probably be every Wednesday again, but summertime, everybody's mm-hmm. so busy. So I'm doing it every other Wednesday right now. Um, That's a great project. Yeah. No, I d- good. but I do find that quilting does bring out the community. Cause I, I've been, I saw my mother, um, a few weeks ago and I didn't realize that she was into quilting. I didn't realize she organized oh, wow. the biggest quilt fair in the eighties in Hong wow. Kong to raise money. Yes, wow. so she apparently gone to Guinness Book of Records. From, That's amazing. Yeah. And you didn't, yeah, I didn't know, know things like this. You no, didn't know I wasn't, about her. No, I didn't know anything about that. I mean, I and then she suddenly hands me a box of like a British Airways, you know, box. And it was uh, templates, sort of hand. She was doing some EPP. Okay. And, and this is in the 80s. You know, she, I, I had no idea this aspect of my mother's. I know that she wow. was creative. I know she could sew. But yeah. I didn't know she, she said, oh, didn't you know that we, I made this, uh, I organized this exhibition of the largest quilt and we managed to get into Guinness Book of Records. And That's I'm like, amazing. Yeah, I was, I was impressed. Um, and she looked rather pleased. She's I like, so. yes, yeah, <laughs> I told it all, all before. So I was like, wow. But there is a lot of element of when you, when you listen to podcasts or see people quilt or why they sew, a lot of it is related to family. Somebody yeah. in their family, their grandmother, their mother, their aunts, yeah. who introduced. And it's the only craft compared to architecture school or art school. It is so welcoming oh, and yeah. inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's not like critical on, you know, you no. you, you don't do well in this. It's, it's a very welcoming, warm community. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I've had, I've only ever had a really, I feel really connected to a lot of people around the world. On a really regular basis, because of the quilting, and on a, that I in, a, in, a, in a very positive way, I yeah, find super positive yeah. way. And I think yeah. those are really important parts. Again, coming back to the idea of what does this have to do with sustainability? It's all mm. sustainability and community is so interlinked. It's so it important to have healthy communities and healthy minds. And so we're coming back to that individual being able to have mindfulness and stress release and connectivity. Those things all foster wellness and well-being and improve our sustainability in, in our individual selves. And then it moves into other parts of our lives as well. So it's not just about the materials and the upcycling, because those are all really great things. But it's yeah. community to me is the is the one of the most important pillars within sustainability. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many what you could be creative, you could be you can have a purpose. It has a purpose. And you can also, I have seen quilts that have messages, you know, very political. There's yep. so many ways to express yourself using just fabric as an art, art tool. Um, yeah. And I think we can all do it in a way that um, 
you know, you could do it the non-fast fashion way in quilting too. Yeah, I think so too. Which would be it's quite fun. It is quite amazing to see it. <laughs> and I and I see it as a growing community now. I really do. I see this the ideas that people have around sustainability, not only in um upcycling, but using what if they are purchasing new being really mindful of what kind of yeah. materials they're they're actually purchasing yeah. and where who they're purchasing with and what those companies are doing that are have sustainability into them. So people are starting to ask questions and and prod a little bit more. I think it's really important. Yeah, and I and I thank you for the tip about the the RPT the threads. Yeah, the, the threads. Oh, yeah. good. I, You're oh, able I'm to so find ha- some. I found some. Yes. Good. Um, I haven't I haven't tried it yet, but I'm very glad that I actually learn something new like that that was yeah. really useful yeah so that it just so that i can let people know the rpet threads is the it's a recycled polyethylene thread and it's made from recycled plastic bottles so it behaves like polyester thread it really is polyester but the base material is a recycled material for that polyester and um it keeps those po- plastic bottles out of the waste stream and so it yeah, is that's a great. way it is a way of sewing. It is very difficult to find threads. You can't easily upcycle thread. Yeah. Um, and so so it is a way to have threads in our, our projects that is a little bit more sustainable. There are also organic threads out there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're harder to find. They're a little bit more expensive sometimes. So the RPET is a good affordable way to kind of work within the sustainability realm. And I do have them in my shop online. But the shipping to Malaysia might be a little much. (laughs) (laughs) Send it to my mom. But no, it's Um, a great way. Awesome. And so tell us how people can follow you and keep an eye on what you're doing and maybe get in touch with you if they're wanting things from your neck of the woods. I'm mainly on Instagram, which is Itsy Bitsy Bespoke. And uh, I also have a Facebook account. Um, And I hope that way you can DM me and... uh, uh, or come and look at my profile and and I, I will take commissions and I can send worldwide. It's, I'm happy to do anything yeah. that keeps me busy. Awesome. Well, I think what you're doing is really, <laughs> it's inspiring what you're doing. And it is nice to talk to somebody who's just prepared to slow down a little bit and 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 make nice things from upcycled materials and explore the world of quilting and the traditions of it. I think it's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been a pleasure. And I really hope that, yeah, there'll be more and more people like us who are doing similar things. I think so. I think there will be. I think there already are. And I keep meeting. I'm sure. We just have to find them. Yeah. And I keep meeting more interesting people and having really interesting conversations there. Every single week has been exciting with all this stuff. It's great. I find it amazing how you find people, actually. (laughs) I just kind of filter through and I keep looking. And people make suggestions to me now, too, right? Um, I'm really happy to get suggestions because I don't know everybody around the world, but I would love to know everybody around the world. And so, yeah, people make suggestions and say, oh, I heard about this person doing this kind of thing. And they'll send me a picture of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to that person. So then I just reach out. And if it works out, great. And if they're too busy, that's okay. Um, Maybe another time. So yeah, it's it's been really neat, and and it's not just artists that I'm talking to. I am also talking to um, producers and manufacturers, and I'm also going to start talking Fantastic. to certifiers so that we can learn a little bit more about certifications and standards, and a few different organizations mm-hmm. that are trying to push sustainability in our world. So there's some really interesting conversations coming up. 
I really enjoyed talking with Ming. I feel like I've made another quilty friend in the world. It's so great to have these different people who are interested in the same kinds of things, interested in this community of sustainability and sharing stories and creating space for exploring what sustainability can look like. And it looks different all over the place with different people and different parts of the world. So it is really awesome to be able to bring this community together. I hope that you are enjoying learning about the different aspects of sustainability and that you are figuring out some ways that you can bring sustainability into your own quilting and textile practice. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email and or find me on social media. Let me know what you think about the show. I'd really love to get some feedback. If you're interested in the community that engages with sustainability in quilting and textiles, you can join the Learning Hub at BridgetOflarity.com. There you will find memberships, online courses, supplies and resources for sustainability and my textile art. You can also book me to speak with or teach your group. You can find me on social media at The Sustainable Quilter. Don't forget to comment, like and share and to follow me on your favorite podcast app so you won't miss an episode. Thanks for joining me and I'm so excited to share this journey with you. Until next time, happy stitching.